Hi, everyone. How are you doing? I'm Wendy Myers. Welcome to the Myers Detox podcast. We have a fantastic show for you. We have my friend Ross Rosenberg on, and he's going to be talking about how to avoid narcissists and the codependency cure. He prefers a term instead of codependency, self-love deficit disorder, or people that have self-love deficit and uh, the narcissists that they love. And so we're going to talk about this because I think it's, you know, this topic is something that really like when people are in a relationship with a narcissist, uh, I think people have a hard time. uh, They don't, they're not aware of it. They don't know how to identify it and it can make them very, very unhappy. And I found myself in this situation with uh, my ex. I have a couple of exes that um, I deem to be narcissist. And uh, it took me a really long time as someone that was educated and knows a lot about psychology and emotional trauma. I still had a tough time identifying the person that I was in a relationship with as a narcissist or someone that was doing, uh, you know, was emotionally harmful to me or what have you. And so I wanted to do this show to help you identify whether in this show you identify as someone with self-love deficit disorder or someone who's codependent. And perhaps if your partner is a narcissist and then also what to do about it, some solutions uh, that you can uh, embark on to kind of resolve this once and for all. And we talk about where this kind of pattern comes from, and it comes from emotional trauma, from parental attachment trauma. Say you, your parent had uh, was a narcissist themselves or an alcoholic or drug addict, or they had uh, they were sociopath or they were uh, at borderline personality disorder. And a lot of us have had parents like this. And Parents that seem very, very loving, um, but still damage us in some way. That and then in our, uh, you know, our primary relationships, we seek out relationships that emulate those of our parents that are similar to those of our parents because they feel familiar. And so Ross Rosenberg's book is called The Magnet Syndrome because you get in these relationships and it's just this very strong magnetic pull that really draws you in very quickly. And it's very difficult to get out of these relationships because you feel like you found your soulmate, this person that completes you. So we explore all these aspects and more on the show today, really, really, really good, especially if you're trying to, you know, you're, you're, something just doesn't feel right in your relationship and you're, you're seeking out answers, definitely listen to this show. So Ross Rosenberg is a self-love recovery Institute CEO and primary contributor. He's an MED and a CADC and his Internationally recognized expertise includes pathological narcissism, narcissistic abuse, and attachment trauma. Ross's codependency cure treatment program provides innovative and results-oriented treatment, and his expert educational and inspirational seminars have earned him international acclaim, and he has over 21 million views on his YouTube channel. In addition to being featured on national TV and radio, his best-selling book, Human Magnet Syndrome, has sold over 135,000 copies and are published in nine languages, and Ross also provides expert testimony and Fitness services as well. Uh, you can learn more about Ross Rosenberg and his work at selfloverecovery.com. Ross, thank you so much for coming on the show. 
I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. So I love your book, The Human Magnet Syndrome. I've shared it with uh, many friends. And okay. so, so this is a book that's been translated into nine different languages. It sold 135,000 copies. Can you tell us about it and what inspired you to write it? Well, let me first tell you what inspired me to write it. You know, as a psychotherapist, you know, I had this idea that I would like solve all my problems and then be this role model of a person to help other people. But despite, <laughs> you know, that, that self-proclamation, I was getting into really dysfunctional relationships and two marriages um, at the, uh, that ended in a bitter divorce. And the only way that I could control that the shame that I had about that was to figure out what happened. And I realized that I couldn't, I'd never got a good answer when I blamed um, the, the narcissist uh, who I was in relationship with. And once I figured out that I was a participant, that there was this dance, there was this unconscious magnetic pull that I finally figured out that I am unconsciously falling in love with the same type of person over and over again. As my therapist once told me, I am falling in love with the same woman with a different face, or as she also said, I had a broken picker. And once I figured that out, everything made sense. Then I went on this journey to find out why that happened. And all of that, all of that resulted in me writing my book, The Human Magnet Syndrome, which is currently um, the, the, there was a first version, but the, the current version is The Human Magnet Syndrome, The Codependent Narcissist Trap. And it's through this book, I was, I, I'm able to explain that this is not a coincidence. This is not bad luck. This can be stopped, but to stop it, we have to know what it is. And up until that point, no one did. And so I explain why opposite unhealthy dysfunctional personality types, codependents, or whom I call people with self-love deficit disorder, always predictively, reflexively fall in love with narcissists and vice versa. And there are a reason for it. And so I spent about, originally the book was 350 pages, but the publisher said it was too long. But I spent a long time trying to explain to people the reason so that they can find the solution. Yeah, because so many people are in terrible relationships. They're miserable. They start out amazing. They have this like this crazy connection or this crazy sex, or they just feel yeah. like this magnet, like they just can't like get away from each other. And, yeah. uh, and but then that can slowly turn into uh, can uh, verbal abuse or uh, emotional abuse, uh, physical abuse and things like that. But so, and, and also I think women that are intuitives and empaths, that's the classic person that gets involved with a narcissist also, but let's define what a narcissist is exactly. Yeah, so, so for anyone I, that doesn't I have a know. couple of things here. So yeah. uh, first is it's not by accident. And the people that follow me understand that I attribute responsibility to the SLD, the codependent, because if we're going to solve a problem, we cannot be victims for the part that we have um, responsibility for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so part of the human magnet syndrome book and, and the contents of it 
is to explain what happened to, to we codependents or people with self-love deficit disorder as a child and the trauma we experienced as children with a narcissistic parent and how that deeply impacted us so that we felt that the narcissist seemed um, oddly familiar and oddly safe, you know, as, as my dad would say, you know, relationships, you know, you start off as a soulmate and you end up as a soulmate. Yeah. And, and I love, and I love that thing because <laughs> all of these relationships start off with such deep, profound attraction and chemistry and chemistry. It's the unconscious pairing of people who are oppositely dysfunctional. And the other thing I want to say, and sorry for just kind of rambling here, is that I don't really subscribe to the term empath when it is used to describe a person who is prone to fall in love with narcissists, who is, is stuck in a relationship with a narcissist, who can't really get themselves to break free. And should they, the next person they see, the next person they fall in love with is the narcissist. I do believe that um, empaths is a very good and descriptive term that I use regularly for people who, irrespective of their background, mental health, positive or negatives, have this ability to be highly empathetic, highly sensitive to people. And, but it's not, a, it's not connected to codependency. It's an independent variable. Yeah, you can mm -hmm. you can be an empath and be really healthy, or you can be an empath and be an, a narcissist. Excuse me, be an SLD or a codependent. So yes. hopefully that doesn't ruffle any feathers. No, thank you. No, thank you for clarifying that. That that was really good. That was great. Um, but and so let's define what a narcissist is, and then what's a codependent or or an SLD or someone with a self love deficit is, just to make it clear. Oh, absolutely. So one of the things that I did with my book was I realized the world needed a new definition um, because there are so many books out there and YouTube videos just that go on and on with everyone's unique definition of what a codependent is, what a narcissist is. So as a psychotherapist with 35 years of, uh, of mental health experience, I utilize the tools that I you know, was trained in. And those are diagnostic tools. You can't give a name to a, a person and say it's a mental health disorder unless there's a very specific diagnostic uh, set of criteria. So I simplified it. And I'm going to, by, by answering what a codependent is, I'm then going to answer what a narcissist is. That a codependent or someone with self-love deficit disorder in a relationship gives most, if not all, the love, respect, and caring to the individual with whom they're connected to romantically in love with. And they expect that it be reciprocated because of the human magnet syndrome and they fell in love with the pathological narcissist, which I'll explain in a second, they don't get that reciprocity, that mutuality. They get upset, they try to change it. And, and here's the most important part of the definition, they stay in a relationship. So the succinct version is someone who, who gives all the love, respect and care in a relationship, wants it to be reciprocal, tries to make it mutual, they can't and they stay in a relationship. And that explanation accounts for the various personality types 
and and we won't we won't get into it unless you want me to. But I have different personality types for SLDs or codependents because people get confused and they think, well, one type of codependent is more narcissistic than the other. So if you understand that SLDs or codependents give all the love, respect, and care in a relationship and it's not reciprocated, then the pathological narcissist is someone who has a personality disorder of either narcissistic, borderline, or antisocial personality disorder, and takes, demands, requires all of the love, respect, and caring, does not reciprocate, does not want to reciprocate, and manipulates the relationship to continue. And that those that uh, the love, respect, and caring distribution helps explain what these two disorders are, why they match up, and why you can have so many different types of personality traits, but yet still be the same codependent. Yeah. Yeah. And then aren't there like covert narcissists? Like they hide it really well. Like they don't really, they are not really that abusive or uh, they show love. They are capable of showing love. So it's very difficult to identify this individual as a narcissist. So um, what I've done um, and I, at painstakingly and most of my work, including my books um, is I describe and categorize individual uh, types of problems so people could understand because the one of the biggest pro- not, by the way i'm going to get to your question <laughs> it's like I'm, the therapist in me kind of goes here and then kind of goes around and gets to what i want so everyone has a different way of explaining and there are so many different names for it so let's begin and stay with mental health concepts developed by researchers academics therapists psychiatrists psychologists and a narcissist, um, there is a narcissistic personality disorder. And there are subtypes. And the subtypes are not even the diagnosis. So a covert narcissist is one of the subtypes of narcissistic personality disorder, or NPD. And um, these individuals pretend rather successfully to be loving giving, kind, empathetic individuals for the purpose of personal gain. They create this this very realistic presentation to the outside world, but back at home in their private life, they are horrible monsters that have no or little empathy or concern for the people with whom they live. So this can be a therapist. This can be a doctor, it can be a teacher, it can be a rabbi, a priest, um, who does an incredible job at convincing the world that they're a good guy or a good person. But they only do that because they know they are, they are the narcissists that are conscious of it. They know that if they don't convince people of how likable and nice and talented they are, they have no life. And they won't have any type of respect or place in the world. So why do you believe that most, if not all, codependency treatments fail? Like I remember my dad going to codependence anonymous meetings or like wanting me to go to those and because he was just really into therapy. He wanted to be a psychiatrist. Um, why, why do these treatments uh, not work for uh, codependents? So let me give you an analogy. Um, if we're um, 300 years ago, 
let's, I think it's 200. And you asked me, uh, why do people, why do 50% of people, um, if they have surgery, die? And because, and, and let's pretend I'm a doctor and I went to medical school, I will give you the answer that is equal to what the, the field of medicine knows at that time. And they don't know yet that they're wrong. And so codependency for the longest time carried on so many meanings and so many interpretations to so many different people. So if you, do, if you don't know what the problem is, or everyone has their own unique idea for the problem is, then the solution is going to be varied. So one person might do talk therapy, one might do cognitive behavioral therapy, one might do EMDR. But what I did was I created a very succinct definition of what it is. I explained where it comes from. And with that knowledge, for example, codependency, SLDD, comes from childhood attachment trauma, the development of subsequent core shame, deep bone-aching pathological loneliness, an addiction that requires us to stay in these environments that hurt us, but that we think are good for us. And at the very top is the disorder. And so instead of looking at what I call the top of my pyramid to understand what SLDD is, codependency, I explained that, that those are just the symptoms, that the problems are deeper. So the reason that codependency treatment or therapy didn't work is they didn't know what codependency was and therefore had no idea on how to solve it. And so not only did I explain that, but in my subsequent work uh, following my human magnet syndrome books is I, I created a treatment program called the codependency cure, most of which um, is um, information is available at my selfloverecovery.com website. So when you know the problem and it seems scientifically logical and you know of a therapy technique that can solve it, then you have good outcomes. So going back to the analogy, so once the medical field understood what single cell bacteria were and why bacteria and unclean medical equipment or, or, or surgical surgeons created infections that would ultimately kill 50% of any surgery person, um, patient, they understood, they understood the problem. So then they could come up with a solution, washing your hands, disinfecting everything. And it kind of runs along that same parallel. Know the problem, understand where the problem comes from, understand or develop understanding for solutions that specifically solve that problem, then you can cure it. And that's why I came up with the term for my treatment program, the codependency cure. Yeah, I love that because I, I think it's also can be hard for someone to identify that uh, as that because they don't want to think of themselves as codependent. And like, including myself, I am a codependent person and I was in the, a relationship with a narcissist for a few of them. And, um, you know, and, but on my life, I thought of myself as happy, successful in my career. I had good self-esteem. I felt good for most of the time. But what I didn't realize was I really had a lot of 
loneliness, like profound feelings of loneliness when I wasn't in a relationship, feelings of worthlessness, feelings of self-hatred, you know, lack of self-love, which was, I was perhaps uh, unconscious of largely to a degree, which I think a lot of people are unconscious of these negative feelings. Well, well, um, again, knowing what codependency is, it's attachment trauma that comes from a child's very the beginning of their life all the way up to their adolescence. So if we understand PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, if there is a horrific situation or injury or loss, and it's too much for a person to manage, the brain relegates it to a part of the brain and takes it offline. It becomes unconscious. In other words, the, the, because of the brain, we disassociate the memory and the feeling. We don't know, we don't remember, we don't feel it. And that is the brain's way of protecting us. So if we understand attachment trauma, that is just not PTSD. That's not chronic PTSD. That is trauma over a large swath of a a person's life, starting from birth, sometimes to 17. And that trauma is so significant that the only way to survive really is to block it out is to numb it out, to disassociate. So it's natural for any codependent, any self-love deficient person to have no recollection of the trauma that they experienced as a child because it's just too painful. So when we understand that, then it makes sense why when these adult SLDs or codependents take that, what I call relationship template, that come from the, the attachment trauma and they bring that forward into relationships because of the chemistry and the opposite uh, matching up that. And once they get caught, they get trapped into the, the web of the narcissist, then it's too much pain. And they use what always has helped them. They block it off. They numb out, they disassociate. So one of my uh, primary challenges for any person who comes to me for my self-love recovery treatment program, AKA the codependency cure, is to acknowledge that they really don't know what happened. They don't remember it and therefore not make them feel more ashamed of something that they're not ready to handle. So that is why it's so difficult for people to overcome codependency because the solution requires you to know what part of the brain it's in and know a way to bring that out because traditional therapy doesn't work. Yeah. 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 And especially when people have this really deep rooted trauma and they don't really know how it's acting on them. They don't know how it's driving their behavior and certainly not in their, their partners that they're choosing. So if, if someone listening to this, like they think perhaps they're in a a narcissist codependent or, or SLDD relationship, what should they do? Like, how do you break up with a narcissist? Cause it's very difficult. You have this very, you call it the magnet syndrome. You have this very strong connection with this person. It can be a really extreme, like physical chemistry or emotional chemistry. How do you break up with that person? I wish there was a simple answer, but I'll give you my simplest answer. If the relationship fills a void that is so deep, and empty and ultimately painful that you, your brain makes it so that you don't feel it, there is this huge consequence of even the idea 
a breaking up. You're, it's not, I mean, first of all, we have what the narcissists do, and that in itself is, um, is an explanation. But to understand why SLDs or codependents, they, they stay in a relationship is because the relationship, remember, um, SLDD is an addiction and it seeks a way to numb it, the person so they don't have to feel the loneliness, the core shame and remembering the trauma. So it makes sense that they stay in these relationships because they don't know any other way to be in this world except with someone they want to work really hard to love that can never love them. So to stop it, that's why all these therapies don't work because you can't explain. I have had so many clients who were brilliant. In fact, I have names for different types of codependents, but this type of codependent, I call it a cerebral codependent, where they use their intellect to try to make them feel better. But and not that I consider myself brilliant, but I didn't figure it out. And I was like a really good therapist, you know, who had a couple good moments of uh, intelligence, but it doesn't matter what you know or how smart you are because the unconscious impact of what happened to you as a child and the replication of that powerlessness into the, your adult relationships, that to stop it, there's this feeling of you will fall apart and break, and no one will love you. So if that is the problem, first of all, we know why it's impossible to break up. And we then know why the next relationship puts the, the SLD in, with the narcissist. So then the solution requires a treatment program that incorporates every part of the SLD codependent problem and has therapy or, or treatment that is specifically designed to solve that problem. Like, for example, I have an 11-stage treatment program called the Self-Love Recovery Treatment Program. And one stage is just using my hitch, my healing the inner trauma child, trauma resolution method. It's just using that method. And then there's 10 other stages so that the way to solve the problem is to understand that every mental health psychological intervention has to match up with the problem and have a way to resolve it, which is why coaches do not work with this. Therapists do not work with this if they do not have the mental health background or training. But, um, and it's just, you have to find someone who has a specific understanding of this disorder and, the, and what is needed to resolve it. Okay, fantastic. And so what is your SLDD pyramid and why is it instrumental to your codependency cure program? Absolutely. So if you guys are listening or watching, uh, just Google Rosenberg, my last name, Pyramid Animation YouTube, and, and it'll come right up for you. So again, what I did in my books is I had to create an explanation so people could understand the problem so that the treatment would work. And by changing the word, the term self-love deficit disorder, first, I got it out of this stigmatizing, negative, judgmental, icky, codependent. Yeah, no one wants to be called a codependent. 
just and, that and term it's a turn off you're like oh no that's not me <laughs> yeah and plus it, i mean codependent was made was created for another disorder that in the 70s that became another disorder and another disorder so self-love deficit disorder actually explains the problem so the pyramid explains it in logical so it's logical and intuitive and i promise you any sld any codependent um, who's listening out there it was is your podcast a video or is it audio it's both okay listening or viewing my experience is they resonate strongly with this explanation that they experienced incredible at the bottom of the pyramid pyramid is attachment trauma and that is the experience that is often not remembered because of the nature of trauma. It's moved um, and disassociated to another part of our brain. But it is the experience profound trauma at the hands of a narcissistic parent and to some degree, the codependent parent. Because codependent parents are responsible for what happens to kids, even though they are not blamed specifically for the abuse or the, um, the harm. Attachment trauma is the experience of a child being raised with a narcissistic parent who can never love you for who you are, can only love you for what you do to them, how you make them feel good, or how you don't upset them. So you are raised in this family um, that you have to mold yourself into the person the narcissist needs, um, disavow your real self, and start your life from age zero maybe your teen years as kind of an imposter to your real self. And, and that attachment trauma is profound. From attachment trauma comes core shame. And that is the belief that one is fundamentally broken, unlovable, or not worthy of a loving relationship. And from core shame is pathological loneliness, is a bone-aching, searing, pain it's not just loneliness but loneliness where you don't feel like you would have a right or um, to live in this world or you are comfortable in your skin yet your shame is so bad you don't think that anyone could ever love you unless somehow you take care of them so we got attachment trauma core shame pathological loneliness and the next part of the pyramid is sldd or codependency addiction and that is a compulsive pursuit of the drug to take away the pain of shame and loneliness. And that is a relationship. The addiction is not to a narcissist. That would make no sense. But if you are addicted to a relationship and you're an SLD, you're always at a high 90%, 98% probability that next person will be a narcissist. Yeah, and, and it's like a peptide addiction, right? It's a literal no, like a chemical. No, no, it, peptide, no, it, that doesn't account for it. An addiction, I mean, I, I don't want to take this off track, but an addiction is created by a combination of influences. First, the brain and serotonin and dopamine issues. And the brain's need to get a certain amount of dopamine that if it doesn't get, it will go into like a, a mini invisible convulsion that will push the brain to get it. So it, it's like any other addiction, whether it's chemical or it's behavioral, that if the person does not get that drug, they will experience pain. 
the withdrawal symptom for SLDD is pathological loneliness. And every SLD knows that. So we have, uh, we have attachment trauma, core shame, pathological loneliness, SLDD addiction, and at the very top is codependency. And, and I, as I explained earlier, I described the core definition of it and the different type of personalities that are subject to that. Okay. And so when someone is in a relationship uh, with a narcissist, like what are some of the steps they need to take to develop some self-love to, uh, you know, like if they think they're in a relationship with a narcissist, they suspect that, what steps can they take to then uh, get out of that relationship? It's virtually impossible to develop self-love abundance. So I think of, I'm, I'm not a medical doctor, but I think like a medical doctor. In other words, if SLDD is a diagnosis, then there has to be a treatment. And if the treatment is good, it solves the problem. So the, the solving of the problem is self-love abundance. So if, if you go through treatment and you solve SLDD, you neutralize it, you feel self-love abundance. And that is the automatic reflexive, it's the opposite of the human, it's the opposite of the, the narcissist codependent human magnet syndrome. It's a reflexive attraction, magnetic attraction to healthy people. So what I'm trying to say is you cannot survive in any healthy way, a relationship with a pathological narcissist, that, that idea, that advice is dangerous because it promotes the idea that you can love yourself you can take care of yourself when everything around you is doing the opposite. Well, so I guess what I what meant was develop enough self-love to then leave the person. Oh, Maybe okay, that's you know, sorry. I actually, I, I remembered that question and I can't yeah. explain it all. <laughs> um, you, I was getting there. I just forgot. <laughs> um, you cannot develop self-love if you don't solve self-love deficit disorder. So to solve self-love deficit disorder is to go through the treatment. And there is no easy way to go through the treatment. There is no type of pointers I can give someone to say, look in the mirror, smile, say you love yourself. Once a day, do something good for yourself. All these great superficial therapeutic techniques that some people use, they don't work. The only way to, to get this self-love is to understand how deeply it's embedded and rooted in you and how that self-love deficit disorder is like you know one of these trees that are invasive. The roots are everywhere. And that if you do do something that makes you feel good, there's a really high probability you're covering up for how you really feel because that's what many SLDs do. Um, and I wish I had an easy solution of telling people how to achieve self-love while in a relationship with a narcissist. There's ways to do it, but more often than not, then it's impossible because a narcissist has everything to lose if their partner, their lover, their wife, their spouse becomes self-love abundant. So they will actively try to uh, break it down. Yeah. And so, so if someone's in a relationship with a narcissist, and maybe there's like just something in the back of my mind. They're just hoping maybe there's a, there's a glimmer of hope they can stay oh, there together. Is a glimmer of hope. Can we, narcissists be cured? Oh, absolutely can, not. Absolutely. Okay, not. Yeah. So that was my question. If the, someone's thinking that perhaps they could go to therapy or the guy no, can change, 
Okay, I wanted so to spell is, any notion of that. That is why if you have <clears throat> self-love deficit or codependency, go to a psychotherapist or mental health practitioner because um, a lot of these coaches online, they, they just, they don't have the training education or background. A narcissist, as I described in the human magnet syndrome, has a personality disorder. And that, that group of mental health disorders share the primary characteristic is that they don't know they have a problem and therefore they don't think they need help. And should they be forced into getting help, they kind of break apart. And I also have a video that will explain how they will fake getting help if they think you're going to leave them. So um, if someone has a personality disorder and they don't think they have a problem and they think everyone else is to blame, therapy doesn't work. Therefore, there's not a cure. So in uh, statistically speaking, there's almost 0% probability that someone with a sociopath can be cured. There is um, less than a 3% possibility if you have narcissism. If you are in treatment, see, the thing is you have to go to specific treatment that is long-term, but if someone with narcissistic personality goes there, there's a five to 10%, and there's about a 20%. So you're telling me there's a chance. (laughs) There is no chance um, because I'm talking about these statistics. See, I didn't say 20% of people with BPD can get better and 10%. I said, if they go to treatment, and then I said- the probability is almost zero, very small, that they'll go to treatment for the purpose of wanting to be better because they don't know they have a problem. So there's very little hope if they have narcissistic personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, or antisocial personality disorder, which are the disorders that are naturally attracted to codependence. And then you say that, you know, as a, a parent, so your your parent was a narcissist or had an antisocial personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, but also a parent who's an alcoholic or a drug addict has the same effect as all these other parents. Oh, thank you for bringing that up. I I should have said that. So in the human magnet syndrome, it simplifies things. It tells you what codependency is. And then it tells you that codependents are attracted to individuals with one of three personality disorders and or someone with an out of control addiction. And and the addiction is a little bit in the gray area because if someone is a heroin addict, a sex addict, any type of addict, the addiction by itself drives a person to do things that are completely selfish, destructive to others that are very narcissistic. But you cannot tell if that person is a narcissist unless the addict, goes into treatment and stops his drug of choice, that's when you can tell if the person to begin with was either a codependent or a pathological narcissist or somewhere in between. But as an um, out-of-control addict, they resemble pathological narcissists. Okay, great. And also it's, you know, it's can be very difficult to leave a narcissist. I know, cause I left one last May. I, you guys know, I, I got a divorce and I left my husband who was a narcissist when I kind of came to that realization. And I, I had a lot of help from Nikki Grotrix, who's one of my best friends and an emotional trauma expert helped me kind of realize that 
because I just couldn't figure that out. I knew all about narcissists. I knew about, I know about a lot of things regarding psychology and emotional trauma, but I just couldn't figure him out because he just seemed like a very loving person, a very giving person, a very uh, spiritual person. And, um, but so I knew that that person was not going to just, if I said, Hey, I'm not happy. I want to break up. Can you please move out? That wasn't going to happen because they have so much to lose. They have everything to lose, especially if perhaps you're financially supporting them. So for me, I just had to like leave and disappear and then ask the person to move out because I I just knew that they would try to manipulate, uh, cry, uh, get angry, or then like do everything they can to maintain that relationship. So for me, the answer was just completely physically removing myself until that person was gone. And so not easy. It was a very, very difficult thing to do. Um, But sometimes you have to take extreme measures like that. Yeah, but for most SLDs, and I'm going to say 98%, that doesn't work because, no, let's say what it does, it works because it, it removes you from the toxicity, the abuse, the neglect, the triangulation, the, the poisoning of minds and the gaslighting. So it does work to that respect, but that's not SLDD. That's not codependency. Codependency is not the problem with the narcissist. It's the unconscious attraction to them and feeling like that's the only type of love that feels right. So that most SLDs who can finally break free from... Me too. I told you, past marriages, you know, I, I, I felt like I, you know, once I left them, it was solved. But it is a very, very strong possibility that the next person they're going to fall in love with is going to be a narcissist. So one solves a problem in the here and now, and it's really difficult to do it that way, but possible. But to really do it the right way is to look at all of the underlying causes, find someone who can help you sift through it and sort it out, neutralize it. And then through that process, you feel self-love. And then through this treatment program, you don't have the craving to repeat the relation, the, the relationship environment of your childhood without knowing it. Yes. I love that. I love that. I love that. So tell, uh, tell the listeners where we can find you, where we can, uh, you know, get your programs and whatnot. Oh, thank you. Well, my website, self love recovery Institute, which is selfloverecovery.com, is the portal for everything that I do, whether it's psychotherapy. And, and it's interesting because I'm starting to no longer call it psychotherapy because what I provide is treatment, um, treatment, with me, uh, my uh, educational resources, uh, my books, and, and, and more. So selfloverecovery.com is the place to go. And I am very, very grateful for anyone who just takes a peek at it, not because I want to sail, but it's because I know, unless I'm delusional, I don't think I am, <laughs> this is the only way that it works. And, and by the way, I would be, it would be my dream come true. And it's, by, by, it's, it's my ambition that therapists would learn this so that I'm not the only one doing this. So that is why I developed educational resources 
that were created for both general audience and the mental health practitioners. Fantastic. Yeah. So go check that out. You also have an amazing YouTube channel. What's the name of the YouTube channel? Oh yeah. Thank you. How could I forget? Um, it's uh, Ross Rosenberg. If you go youtube.com slash Ross Rosenberg, or just type in my name, um, I have 165 videos. They've been viewed 22 million times. Wow. And I think I have 127,000 subscribers. So it's a great resource for others. Uh, and for many who want uh, some of my abbreviated information on these subjects. Yeah, you have some great videos. I've definitely spent time on your channel watching some of your videos. <laughs> thank you. Oh, well, Roz, thank you so much for coming on the show. Is there anything that we left out that maybe you want to uh, address? No, I, I, I actually think you did a really good interview and you gave me a, and you gave me a chance to kind of get to the basics and, and give your viewers, your listeners, some information to consider. Yeah. And I wanted to have you come on because you're one of the world's experts or the world expert on self-love deficit disorder and, and narcissist. Oh, and and it, it's very common. I mean, uh, narcissism is very common in our society. It's very, oh. very common in the United States. It just kind of our culture just kind of fosters narcissism. And so it's something you need to be aware of just uh, so that you can live your healthiest life. Because I want people listening to the show to to know that they deserve to feel good. And that starts with loving yourself. And that's kind of one of more of the message I'm trying to put out there is that love is the only thing that matters. And you have to, that starts with loving yourself and recognizing the, these patterns like we're talking about on the show today. One of my favorite quotes, and I, and I like to end almost any discussion or presentation is from George, George Elliott. It's never too late to be the person you should have been. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on the show. And everyone, thanks so much for listening to the Myers Detox podcast. And I love doing this show, bringing you guys the world experts on uh, everything related to, uh, you know, mental health, detox, physical health, uh, et cetera, biohacking tips so that you can live your best life and and have the health that you deserve, mental and physical. So thanks for tuning in. I'm Wendy Myers of MyersDetox.com. The Myers Detox Podcast is created and hosted by Wendy Myers. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Wendy Myers and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.